Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Turn in your Bibles, if you're not already there, again, to the book of Exodus. Now, I know I mentioned last week I plan to go back to Mark this week, but I had a phrase jump out at me again as I was reading, even last week as I was reading, a phrase in what we were reading jumped out. And so we're using some of the same verses, the same passage for our message this morning. that out. And I want to bring you this message. Do you really want to know God? Do you really want to know him? That's the question. I'm not asking for you to answer out loud, just in your own heart, in your own mind. Do you really want to know God? He said, well, I know God. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about that this morning, but in Exodus 33, 10 through 13, read along again with me. And the people saw The people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Then he turned again into his camp. But his servant, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. We talked about that last week about learning to linger. Then verse 12, And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, that thou hast not let, but thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. But I want to draw your attention right back, just a few words at the end of that verse, or middle of verse 13. Show me now thy way, that I may know thee. Show me now thy way, that I may know thee. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today to know you a little bit better, but God, to want to know you better. To not just to know you, but to know your way, to know your ways. And that, God, that you would draw us into a relationship unlike any other, as a friend that speaks to a friend face to face, as a friend that sticks closer than a brother, because we want to be in your presence. We want your presence to go with us. God, we want to be with you. There is nothing better than you. Make that the desire of our hearts today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So do you really want to know God? And first, do you know God? 
Do you know him? As you sit here today in church, and as most of you come week after week after week, I would be remiss if I didn't stop every now and then and say, do you know God? And more importantly, does God know you? Does God have your name written down in the book of life in heaven? And if not, stop right there. Don't wait any longer and call on him today that he may write your name down as you repent of sin and ask him to forgive you. And he graciously, mercifully will, I promise you, and your name can be written down as you believe on him by faith. But now, as I hope and pray that each of you can say, yes, I know God, I'm saved. Well, then let me ask you this. Do you really know God? Let me ask another question. Does God have favorites? Does he love some more than others? The answer to that, or let me say it this way, can we somehow earn more love from God? Or can we somehow get less love because we do something we shouldn't? And the answer is no. We can't earn more of his love. We can't lose his love. God doesn't have or play favorites. But clearly, there are some in the Word of God that seem to be special, have a special relationship with God, more so than others. For example, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, and he was not, in other words, he he didn't die, but God took him. He no longer lived on the earth, God simply took him to heaven. Noah, the Bible says, found grace in God's sight. In the middle of a wicked world, so wicked that God says, I regret that I've made man. Um, His heart is only evil continually. There is none that are righteous. And I'm going to wipe them all out with the flood. But then grace, or Noah found grace in God's sight. Abraham was called out of a pagan culture, a godless culture, and followed God by faith to the land that he was going to show him of. He obeyed God by faith. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. The disciples were God's specially called people. Peter, James, and John were part of an inner circle. Stephen, when he was being stoned, said he looked up and saw God and saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father standing. And it seems to indicate almost in honor of Stephen, Jesus was standing. And then, of course, there was Moses, who the Bible says talked with God face to face as a friend speaks to a friend. And this ties in with last week because Moses, like Joshua, learned to linger in God's presence. But what is the deal? Why do some seem to have special favor, a special place? Not favorites, but a special place. Used by God in a great way. And there's others that... Less or so, or not at all. Is there some way that I can come to know God like the great heroes of faith in the Bible 
did and be used of God like God used those heroes of the faith. And for me, that because at least, again, I don't always answer this way, but I am lately, is God, I want to be used like that. God, I want to be part of something great like that. I want to be part of something special that you're doing. But my question is for you, do you want to know God like that? Do you want to have a relationship with God like that? It's a real question, not for you to answer out loud in your heart. Because it's a question that you've got to answer. Something that you have to decide. Do you want to know God like that? Do you want to be used by God like that? Do you want to see the power of God in your life like they did? Me and Landon were just talking the other day. There are some people that think, well, God doesn't do miracles like he did back in Bible times. And to that, I say, and Landon said, baloney. God absolutely is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God absolutely does miracles. And you say, well, I just wish that God would show up like he did in the Bible and swallow people up with the earth and bring fire. Really? That's what you want? Yeah, but then preacher, they would really know. They would really believe. If you saw that happen, you'd be scared out of your mind. And you're a believer. Not necessarily that you would run to God. People would run away from God. When we're reading, if you're doing your Bible reading along with us in Exodus at Mount Sinai, God is thundering and God's presence is on the mountain and fire, most likely lightning, is flashing around the mountain. And the people said, don't let God speak to us. We're afraid. But Moses, you go talk to him and come back and you speak to us. They didn't want anything to do with God's power. And we would be the same, or most of us would be the same. You know, when we get saved, we get all of God. But does he get all of us? Or maybe to say it another way, we get access to all of God when you're saved, but do we utilize our access? I want you to see that I think there's basically four Ways are four types of knowing God. And there probably is some bleed over. And even in these four types that we're going to see in just a moment, and I didn't bring my phone with me. I can't even do my outline. Lucas, are you back there where you can click on the outline for me? All right. So when you hear me say this, I want you just to click on it because I'm not connected right now. And hopefully you can follow along with me, with me. But there are four types of knowing God generally speaking, that I want to talk to you about this morning, and I want to talk about how you can know God or why we ought to want to know Him like Moses did. Number one is most know the fact of God. Most people have a knowledge of, okay, there's a God somewhere. Most people... Know that. Now, they may not know he's the God of the Bible. They may not know he's the God of, uh, that, that created everything. But most people acknowledge that there's a God, some, a supreme being somewhere, right? I, I, I say it this way. You say, what about atheists? Well, there really is no such thing as an atheist. People that claim to be atheists just make themselves to be God. In other words, Therefore, if there's no one else that's a supreme being, then I'm the supreme being. Or I place somebody else to be the supreme being. And I may not call him God, but they call the shots. And, or in, basically in my life, I've decided that there is no God, so I call the shots. 
So there are those few people that don't acknowledge there is a God, but most people know there is a God and I'm not him. That's the introductory level. Most people acknowledge there is some kind of supreme being somewhere. Can we know them? Can we know him? Can, can we understand him? Does he want, don't know, but most people understand there is a God. And some people would, and some of those even would say, okay, the God of the Bible, that's God. I, I understand that's God. May not follow him, may not believe in him, may not trust him, may not obey him. Lost, but they know of God. They know of Him. I've heard about Him. Heard someone mention His name. I figured it out. Somebody had to make all this. Whatever it might be, that's the very first level. Number two, Lucas, if you would, there's people that know the acts of God. In other words, they know of God. That was the point of that. Go ahead and click the next one. They know the acts of God. Now, again, if you're here today, you are at least in group number one. You've had someone tell you, point out to you, there is a God. And most of you would fall into group two at least. You know of the acts of God, the works of God, the miracles of God. You understand that God has miracle working power. I would say many people, well, most people know that there is a God. Many people know the works of God, at least some of them. Again, there's varying degrees in each of these, but most people understand God has miracle working power, or they've heard about him doing miracles, or they've read about him doing miracles, or they've experienced a miracle for themselves. At least in some areas, God has power. You know, the people that believe in God, the Bible, again, begins with a fact about God. There is a God. In the beginning, God. But then as we read on, we find out there's all kinds of miracles that he does because the very next thing that we see in Genesis 1 is God created the heaven and the earth. Miracle. But there's many other miracles. And so, therefore, the acts, the works of God. Yeah, they, they know the story, you know, or they know the story of David and Goliath, of Gideon and his 300, of Daniel and the lion's den. They know how God has worked in those lives, right? They know about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Or, or maybe they know about the miracles of Jesus. You know, they grew up in church, or they've heard, or they read somewhere. The miracles of Jesus, of Jesus turning water into wine, of Jesus uh, healing people, of, people cast, of Jesus casting out demons. They, they hear about the, the works of God, the miracles of God, multiplying food and feeding the 5,000, uh, walking on water, calming storms, raising the dead to life again. Uh, maybe even they've heard of the resurrection of Jesus from the tomb. They've heard of the works of God, and so they know God, not just that there is a God, but He's got some power. And there's some acts. They may even know the righteousness. You may know the righteousness and wrath of God. We tend to focus more on the miracles, on the pleasant stuff, but there's also some miracle-working power or some power of God when it comes to the righteousness and the wrath and the holiness of God, because we also see the flood. We see God dealing with sin, the plagues in Egypt, 
the persecution of the Jews when they turned their back on God and broke the covenant. And certainly Jesus dying on the cross was because of the wrath of sin when he paid our price. And in that, most people understand God judges sin. And there are some people that they're way over on the side of God just loves and does miracles. And God will give you the desires of your heart. And isn't he wonderful? And then there's some people over here on the other side that says God is waiting to hit you with a stick and waiting to smash you like a bug and to stomp you out when you mess up. And then there's some people that are somewhere in the middle. And I told you when I was growing up, no fault of my parents, and it really wasn't fault of my church. I just grew up kind of in fear of God going to squash me like a bug. And then I began to navigate over this way, and I probably at some point in time got over to this side over here. Well, God's just nothing but goodness and love and isn't roses and this kind of thing. And now God's brought me back to, hey, I'm both those things at the same time. There are people that understand the works, the acts of God. They know about God. So there's some people that know of God and some people that know about or, or, or they, they know the acts of God. And that's many people. Many people know. Most people know there is a God. Many people know the works, at least some of them, of God. And then there's a few people that know the amazing love of God. Did you click on that one? The amazing love of God. You say, where are you getting with all this? I'm, I'm going to show you. Just one second. They know the amazing love of God. They know the amazing love of knowing you're a child of God. These people, the people in group A and group B, if you stop there, group one and group two, not saved. If you stop there. But because you see the works of God, because you understand God judges sin, and you were lost without him, then some people, few people, the Bible says, broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. So a few people come to salvation, and they experience the, it is a work of God, but the amazing love of God. The saving purpose of God. The reason Jesus came to the earth, the redeeming act of God in sending his son, God himself, in man's form, came to the earth. It was born as a baby, lived as a man, a perfect man, a teacher, a miracle working man, but God at the same time, and then became the perfect sinless sacrifice, the Lamb of God that laid down his life on a cross willingly for you and for me, and that love of God, and you understand that part, and you call on him, it's like, God, I'm in need. God, I'm lost. God, I'm a sinner. And he graciously, wonderfully, miraculously, amazingly loves you enough to forgive you of your sin. Redeem you. Adopt you. And to buy you back into fellowship with him. And then, of those that have been saved, certainly... To varying degrees, you know the amazing love of God shown in the daily grace of God. The goodness of God shown in your life. The goodness of God. Your eyes are open to at least some of that miracle working power that he works things out. Landon mentioned it just a moment ago. You may call it a little thing. I call it a major thing. The fact that Ella picked out the song in the garden. I go to the garden alone. And here was Landon singing about 
graves to gardens. God put that together. Not, I didn't know Landon was going to sing that when I was talking with Ella. Ella didn't know that Landon was going to sing that when she was picking out songs. It's a miracle. It's the grace of God. It's the kindness of God. The victory He provides. We experience it in different ways, but we all, if we're His children, and we all experience it, are our eyes open to it as a question, but we know, if you're saved, the amazing love of God. And therefore, to some extent, you have a relationship with God. Relationship because you've been adopted into His family. Now, how much time you spend with the Father, that's the question, but you are in a relationship. And therefore, say people, most of them, once they're saved, if you're truly saved, you're changed by God, and you will talk to God sometimes. Right? And there's varying times or there's varying amounts of time that we talk with God. We go through stages in our life where perhaps we talk more than other times. We pray more than other times to God. And there's other times that we listen or read the Bible more than other times. But we talk with God some. We listen to God some. We walk with God some. We trust God sometimes. We turn to God for some things. We give God parts of our life. It's a relationship. So you have those three areas, and you, until you experience the amazing love of God, you're not saved. You realize God amazingly loves me, and I'm going to call on Him by faith to save me. But if you're saved, you certainly know the works of God, you know of God, and you have some of a relationship because you know the amazing love of God. But that's where a big break happens. Because there's a lot of people that we read about in the Bible that were saved, were believers, by faith. In our churches, growing up, we've known lots of people that were saved, as far as we know. Again, I talk about this all the time, but the only person I know is saved is me. I believe my wife is saved. I believe my children have saved because they, I believe you're saved. If you tell me you're saved, I believe you. If you've called on Jesus Christ, repented of sin, believed on Him, God saved you. You know whether you were sincere or not. I don't. But there is a big difference between knowing of God, knowing the acts of God, even knowing the love of God, and the last thing, knowing the ways of God. Moses knew of God. He met him on the mount at the burning bush. Now, he probably knew of him, perhaps in some way or form or fashion before that. He certainly knew of other gods being raised in an Egyptian home. He certainly probably was taught of the God of the Hebrews being raised while in an Egyptian home, he still had a mother that raised him the first few years because until he was weaned, he saved his own mother. He identified with the Hebrew people, so therefore he knew of God. But then he meets God, and he sees firsthand the acts of God. 
And now while people in the Old Testament weren't saved the same way we are today, because they were looking forward, not looking back, he was a man of faith and had a relationship with God, but it was a special relationship. And I'm going to use this word. God doesn't have favorites, but he does have intimates. Do you have an intimate relationship with God? He said, what do you mean? I'm not saying the same way you have one with your, your, your wife or your husband. But it's based on the same thing. A desire to be around them. When you first, and I hope you're still this way, please, I, I hope you're still this way. But when you first met your spouse, you were enamored, right? You were infatuated, Correct. I mean, if you didn't, you never got to the marrying part unless you were arranged somehow, because I'm not sticking around if I'm not infatuated and arranged. It may have been the way she looked, may have been the way he smelled, may have been whatever, whatever it was, probably not the way he smelled, but still, may have been the way she smelled. But anyhow, whatever it was, something got your attention. And you loved her. Or thought you loved her or loved him or thought you loved him. Maybe it's just a fatuation, but then you spend time and you got to know them and that love grew until one day you said, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. And that's kind of how it is with God. We meet them, we're intrigued, we're, you know, we get, I'm curious, I mean, I'm, there's some stuff here, I'm liking, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the works of God, I'm seeing his beauty, I'm seeing his things he does, and I like those things. Until we really come to know that love. And we say, this is a relationship. But then something happens with us and God. And unfortunately, it happens a lot in marriage relationships. Over the years, you become more roommates than married folks. You coexist. Oh, yes, you care about them. You, you love them. I'm not saying that you don't love them. I'm simply saying that it goes from where, man, I just can't wait to see that person. I just can't wait to be around that person. I wouldn't want to be with anybody else other than that person, too. We cross paths. And like, listen, life gets busy. There's reasons why this happens. Obligations come along. Bills come along. Life comes along. And the same thing happens as Christians. It's not that we don't love God. But man, when we first got saved, do you remember what it was like when you first got saved and you couldn't get enough? And you were amazed at everything? Maybe the word would be infatuated. But we need to be intimate again with God. Moses, Stephen, David, Joshua, Joseph, Daniel... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Peter, James, and John. The list goes on and on. Paul, Timothy, they were intimate with God. At certain times, Gideon. At certain times, Samson, Moses, Enoch, Noah. Intimate relationship with God. And God did amazing things. It's a different kind of relationship. And the question is, do you want that in your life? 
Do you want to be like Moses and say, I want to know your ways. Show me now thy way. I got some bad days. He said, okay, preacher, I, I think I do. Or yes, I do. I want to know God like that. I want to know his ways. I want to take my relationship to the next level. I want to, it's not earning more of God's love. You've got all of God. You've got all of God's love. But having that relationship where you can ask him things and you know that he's going to give you the desires of your heart because the desires of your heart are his desires for you. And I'm almost out of time, so I got to keep going. But listen, I'm telling you, here's some bad news. It does not come. That relationship does not come solely by you showing up in church and listening to me or any other preacher for that matter. It doesn't come through you praying every once in a while. It doesn't come from even from you praying a good bit of the while. It doesn't even come. You can't go out and buy a book on how to have an intimate relationship with God. But I'll just tell you this. You've already got one. It doesn't come through any book authored by a man. It doesn't come through no matter how much preaching you may hear. It comes through desire that God gives you. It comes through prayer as you beg God as Moses did, begging God. It comes through courage because having that kind of relationship with God is going to get the devil's attention. And you better understand that if you have that kind of relationship, the devil is coming hunting for you. As he did Moses. Just read about how many times the people turned on Moses. It's amazing to me. And I know I'm out of time. But it's amazing to me how they see the plagues on Egypt. Moses leads them through the superhighway of the Red Sea. And three days later, they say, Moses, you let us out here to die. There's no water. And over and over and over again, as you read in Exodus, Leviticus, and then getting into Numbers especially, you see how many times they turn on him, saying, you just gave us water out of a rock. You just gave us bread from that fell on the ground. You gave us quail. You gave us raven, or God did. But Moses, now we don't have anything again, or we're tired of all this, and we just want to go back to Egypt. The devil will come for you. You better have courage. There is a price to be paid. There is a cost to face. But the level of intimate comes through investment, as we talked about last week, lingering with God. Wanting not just the Spirit of God. And listen, don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to split hairs so finely that I'm getting theologically incorrect. The Holy Spirit indwells us when we're saved. But I want God's presence to be real in my life. And I'm not talking about feelings, because here's the thing. If I'm just talking about feelings or just I'm just looking for God to do miraculous works, then I get caught up in the works. But when I don't feel anything, then I'm lost again. And I'm on a constant up and down. 
God doing something, don't hear from God. God doing something, I'm in trouble. God doing something, God answers, I'm in trouble. Just like the Israelites were. But when you turn to God and beg God and ask God and seek God and invest in God, I want to know your way. Look in verse 14. He answers what you've been begging for. Don't just send an angel with me. That's what he's promised to do for the Israelites. He said, I won't go with you. I'll wipe you all out. And then uh, Moses is begging him, you go with us as you said you're going to. In verse 14, he says, my presence shall go with thee and I will give you rest. When you have the intimate relationship with God, it doesn't, it's not an up and down. It's just an even keel going up. That doesn't mean that we don't sometimes sin and so, sometimes dip a little bit on our own. But when we're in that intimate relationship, being used by God for whatever, and by the way, it may be a little thing, it may be a big thing, doesn't matter. It's a God thing. And I want what God wants. I've already answered this, but in closing, I just want you to know it's possible it becomes possible. You can have this kind of relationship as Moses, as Joshua, as Joseph, as David, as Daniel, as Noah, as Peter, James, and John all had. You can have that. You say, well, how do you know that I can have that? Because Moses had it. Look over with me in Psalm 103. Read this, and then I'm going to bring it to a close. Psalm 103. Watch this now. Did Moses have an intimate relationship? Did God show? Because it says, I'll go, my presence will go with you. And then he shows him his glory. But that didn't answer the question, did he show him his way? He told him his name, his character. But look in Psalm 103. Watch this. I'd never seen this before until I was studying this. 103.7. Go back to verse 6. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed he made known his ways unto Moses. Moses said, I want to know your ways. God said, fine, you can know my ways. But his acts unto the children of Israel. Now Moses knew his acts. He was the child of Israel. But Moses had something special that intimate relationship. He knew God showed him his ways. And so my question is this, if you don't have an intimate relationship with God, you're never going to have peace and real rest. But the question is, do you know God? Do you really know God? Do you know God's acts or do you know God's ways? I mean, did you stop at knowing his acts? Did you stop at just knowing his amazing love? And listen, that's an amazing place, knowing his amazing love. But it only gets better as you get closer. It only gets better as you draw nearer. And maybe you didn't know there was a difference, but the salvation relationship began at salvation. It didn't end and plateau out there. Now that you know the difference, what will you do? What do you want? And if you say, preacher, I don't know that I want that kind of relationship. Well, 
then my prayer for you is that God will give you a desire for that kind of relationship. And if you say, preacher, I really do. I want that kind of relationship. Or you might even say, preacher, I, I believe I've had some of that, but I want to keep it or I want it again. Then my prayer is for you that you would just draw close to God and God will draw close to you and you will have that intimate daily relationship where he does works and wonders in your life. Yes, but he shows you his way. And then people, because you've lingered in that presence, people will not, again, go back to what I said last week. They couldn't even look at his, Moses' face without there being a veil over his face. People have a hard time being around you in a good way because his glory is just all over you. His power is evident in your life. I pray that's what you want. I pray that you'd pray for me. That's what I'd want and that's what I'd have. Won't you pray? We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. Oh